This is the St. Longinus' Baptism Podcast Channel. This is episode 31. Why the spiritual life is the foundation of holiness. But first a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, and all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. So, the reason I'm doing this episode is because um, basically I was listening to the spiritual life. And, and by the way, um, this is not my only episode on the important the importance of the spiritual life. I have done uh, other episodes, but because I can't assume or presume that other people have listened to any of those episodes, that you know, I gotta, I gotta act like if, like they've never heard it, and sometimes I'm gonna have to repeat episodes I've already done. For those of you who've already heard, you know, heard my other episodes, um, unless unless you're uh, want to listen, you're probably gonna want to wait for future episodes. So anyway, I re I, I'm re-listening to Father Utley's uh, series on um. It's actually on um, Norvis Ordo Watch. It, it, it is true restoration, but if you go to the, to the uh, apps, it's not listed under true restoration. It's actually listed under Norvis Ordo. So anyway, um, I was listening to that, and basically... The interviewer was saying to him, he was like, well, um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of sedvacantists find, you know, the term spiritual life, um, they're, they're, they're prejudiced against it and they're turned off by it because of Norvis Ordo, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the Nor- uh, Vatican II sect, basically. And, um, you know, basically my argument to that was, or is rather, even before I became a set of a contest, um, I'd been listening, you know, listening and re corresponding with other set of contests online and I've noticed, and by the way, Father Utley notes this too in his uh, series, that most Sedvacantists, they're, um, 
They're amateur experts on theology, they're amateur experts on church history, and they're amateur experts on um, the 1917 Code of Canon Law. Now, I, I want to I wanna ask the set of accountants out there this question, and it's made in all sincerity and all charity. We all know that the Vatican II Council basically gutted the traditional teachings of the church. So, because the set of contests are, you know, well-informed, you do know that John Paul II wrote um, the 1983 a canon law with his uh, his um, his accomplice in heresy, Ratzinger. Um, and of course the the do- uh, the doctrines that actually made the Catholic Church what they what it is, um, were ripped out at Vatican II. And if you read. If you read um, the traditional Catholic histories and the traditional any any traditional Catholic uh, Catholic book written before uh, 1960, then you know that um, a lot. Um, after Vatican II, even in the um, in in the books that were written before Vatican II, they have actively scrubbed anything that contradicts Vatican II. I'm saying this because I've had actual experience with this. Or if they don't actively scrub and delete it, what they will do is, is they'll add a little snarky footnote saying, well, this particular teaching or this particular, you know, this, this, this was before, you know, the, the, the church now no longer approves of it. And they're basically counting on the ignorance of uh, the Vatican II sect not to catch that. So if you're smart enough, you know, that you can take apart doctrine and uh, no canon law, then you should be smart enough to catch the errors when they come, or the, the actual scrubbing of information. But my larger point in bringing this up is that um, we all know that Vatican II basically gutted everything Catholic, true Catholic. They turned Protestant and kept the Catholic facade. Now, having said that, why would you treat the spiritual life any differently? Why? There are plenty. Father Utley, in his series, gives plenty of books to read that were written pre-Vatican II. So there's absolutely no reason to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, well, 
I can't do the spiritual life because they talk about it. They, 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 they talk about it in the, in the Vatican II Church. Yeah, they also talk about the Code of Canon Law, their code, in the Vatican II Church. They can keep you from studying it. They talk about church history, and even though they uh, mislead and misinform. That doesn't stop you from reading about the history of the Catholic Church. And um, obviously, the original council ripped the guts out of the doctrine of the Catholic Church. So... There are no excuses. If you're, if you're, you know, you're saying, well, it puts me off. You know, it's all Vatican II. Um, if, If you're familiar with church history and the writings of the saints, you know that's incorrect. And, um... You know, basically, you're making excuses for yourself. I'm just going to be blunt because that's the way I am. You're making excuses for yourself. And we as Catholics, we do not make excuses for ourselves. But I will get to that aspect later on in this episode. So, the... The entire the title of this um of this episode is the spiritual life is the foundation to holiness. And um I'm I'm here to tell you I'm here to tell you that before I listen to Father Utley, there there is a reason I pound him to you guys. Is because this man, the Holy Ghost, is working through him, and he's a very knowledgeable and wise person. And the reason I pound him so hard is. I vaguely when I started when I started preparing myself for entrance in the set of Acontism or the true Catholic Church, however you want to call it, um, I vaguely had an idea that she, yes, you were supposed to have a spiritual life. It wasn't until I came across his series that I realized, and by the way, um you know, I, I consider myself a rank amateur when it comes to the spiritual life. But even dimly, I understand that basically, um, basically without the spiritual life, you you cannot reach true holiness. You cannot reach true piety and devotion. You can't do it. Or I take that back. Outside of God's will, you can't do it. You know, because, you know, generally, the rule is the same for everybody. But sometimes God does make an exception and will allow, you know, certain individuals not necessarily to have to go through what everyone else has to. So, 
But it wasn't until I heard that series that I realized. Now, I it has been said to me by other set of accountants that they find um his series pedantic or um autistic because he does get into detail but i find that to be a modernist attitude now it's especially bad i will say in millennials and zoomers but i'm not excusing my own generation or the boomers either um some of us do do fall into this um me personally, I was always told growing up by, you know, the adults, if anything's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And um if it's if it's worth getting if it's, you know, something of value is worth busting your tail for. And a lot of people are distracted. They're distracted. You know, they, they, they'd rather involve themselves in, in crap that doesn't even matter than their own spiritual well-being, which is essential, essential to getting into heaven. There is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, on this earth that is more important is getting into heaven and forming as best as you can a relationship with Lord Jesus and his blessed mother in the heavenly kingdom. There, there, there's nothing more important than that. And if you think that, you know, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm confirmed. That's it. I'm, I'm here to tell you, um, if you have that attitude, you're you're wrong, flat out. You're wrong. Um, basically, um, basically, um, confirmations just the beginning. Although, if you're really hardcore about this, you'll you'll be doing whatever's whatever uh is necessary beforehand so that once you are actually confirmed um you you at least you know you're you're ahead of the curve somewhat now i know that um I, I want to relate a couple of stories actually from uh Father Utley's um Father Utley series. Um I've already related one of his stories that the reason why a lot of set of accountists neglect the spiritual life is because they're they're all into the theology, they're all into the canon law, and they're all into the history. Um, theology is important in the spiritual life. There's no doubt about it, but let's be honest. 
um, since the the set of Vacantis laity, um, you know, unless you plan on having a theological discussion with one of the set of Vacantis theologians or bishops, having an eye an eye bleedingly detailed knowledge of of uh, theology is not. And I'm all about practicality. It's really not going to be practical use to you. And I also find, too, that you can have all the knowledge. I'm pretty decent in history. But when I try to relate that knowledge of history to people who are either ignorant or ill-taught, they'll either humor me just just because they think I'm a nice guy, or they'll be scratching their heads because they have no idea what I'm talking about. So, really, oh, and that that was another thing I was going to get to. Having been a former Protestant, and having been a former Norvisordite, most of those guys, you're not going to need to get into an eye-bleedingly detailed um, debate on theology with. These guys are pretty much, you know, they're pretty much ignorant. And, you know, as far as the debates on theology goes, Norvis Ordo, watch, um, they basically already do this. Now, if you feel called to serve that, you know, that you, you, you feel called that you need to, to, to get into disputes with the, um, recognize and resist crowd of the Vatican II sect. Okay. That's fine. But my, my, Sorry, my bottom line is we do not want to neglect our spiritual lives. And we especially don't want to neglect our spiritual lives because for whatever personal reason, we think that it's it's tainted by Norvus Ordites or the Vatican II sect. I'm sorry. And that brings me... to one of the uh, one of the biggest faults that I see in Sedevacantis online and by the way not all Sedevacantis but a great deal is they think because you know they want their based based and red pilled monarchy um they they want to go back to the 1950s they want to go back to the to the 1800s um, they think that, um, that somehow, you know, that, um, you know, they have the right attitude. So I'm, I'm going to do this as best as I can and, um, 
You you take this for what it's worth, people. Um. Masonry became public in the 1700s. By the late 1700s and the early 1800s, you had a couple of popes who had already written about the dangers of secret societies. I think at that time they weren't aware that they were Masons. But basically they were aware that the that the, the Masons had infiltrated the church. And before they went public in the 1700s, they they were literally a secret society and they had literally tried to poison the society around them with modernist and um, modernist ideas. Basically, I always say that basically um, what are known as liberal values are basically modernist. Now, don't get it twisted. Um, you know, for those who who call themselves conservative, there really is no difference. Because for those of you who follow politics, everyone knows that the conservatives, uh, I'll, I'll take gay marriage, for example. Gay, they were all against gay marriage in the, in the t- early 2000s. And then, um, you know, Toward like 2009, 2010, they, you, you had, you know, conservatives coming, quote unquote conservatives saying that, well, we, uh, we need to get with the times, you know, they, they should be allowed to do this and blah, blah, blah. Basically what is known as conservatism is the same liberal values it just doesn't want to go too far too fast. Now, the reason I'm I'm doing this is because whether you like it or not, and I've said this in other episodes, if you were born, if you were born between the 1700s and now, like it or not, you are infected with modernist ideas. You are a modernist. Now, when I see, I, I think the problem with when said of a contest used the term modernist because people get it twisted. They think that, um, That if you're a modernist, that you're a blue-haired, pierced and tatted up, um, 300-pound lamb whale. No, not at all. Um, there are a lot of stuff taken for granted in today's day and age that, um, that, that we unconsciously, whether we like it or not, and as I, uh, I wish I could take credit for this saying, I can't, basically is a fish in water doesn't know it's in water. So 
even if we have the right intentions, even if we have the right theology, we're still modernists. You know, um, you could take the most person, uh, most medieval thinking person in this era, present era, and transport transport them back to the 13th century, and I guarantee you that their ideas and conceptions are nowhere near the conception and ideas of um, a person born in the 13th century. So, you know, whether we like it or not, we are modernists. And I know that instead of a contest circles, this term gets used as an insult. It literally gets used as an insult. Oh, these modernists, this, these modernists, that. I've been guilty of it myself. By the way, what I'm about ready to get into, or actually everything that I've just said and getting into, I've either been guilty of in the past or am still guilty of now, but working on. Um, I, I try to make this, this, this disclaimer on every episode or as many episodes as I can. Because a lot of people, you know, uh, when you talk in generalities, they take it personally and think it's all about them. So, but the term modernist gets used as an insult. And it doesn't have to be an insult. It could be a statement of fact. The fact that we are born in either the mid to late um, 20th century to, you know, to the early 21st century, you know, it's a statement of fact. We're modernists by default because we're born in, you know, a modernist society and culture. But um, the reason... The reason I bring this up is, or I'm sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought. Anyway, so I want to close this section out with something that Father Utley said in one of his uh, episodes of his series. Now, he has been a set of a contest priest. He's, he's a monk and he's a priest since... We'll, we'll say um, the late 90s, the mid to late 90s. And he, he was saying that he was visiting a Sedvacantish chapel. He didn't give the time frame, so I'm not sure when this occurred, but you could say probably sometime between, say, the year 2000 and the year 2015 or 16, when he had um, done the uh, episodes, that he was talking to a set of a contest priest who was running a chapel, and the priest confided in him that 70% of his parishioners were not Catholic. Now, before anyone 
Sedvacantis' head explodes, he wasn't saying that they were not Catholic in the sense that they weren't baptized and confirmed in the true Catholic Church. He wasn't saying that. What he was saying is, is they were not the kind of Catholics that they should have been. Um, meaning that, you know, that they, that they lived, that they lived to get closer to Jesus, his blessed mother, closer to them every day. And that they really did not follow the tenets of their faith as they should. And they probably were very ignorant of the saints writings, the spiritual writings, and for that matter, the Holy Bible. Um, I've met plenty, well, I've met enough set of accountants online to know that um, there are, there's a certain segment that is completely ignorant of Holy Scriptures. So, the reason I am entitling this that um that the spiritual life is the foundation to true piety and devotion is that if you read the saints and the doctors of the church they will tell you that we are all called to be saints we are all called to be saints. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to say that all every Catholic is going to be a saint. You know, if we look at, you know, the amount of saints that the true Catholic Church actually has, they're in much smaller proportion than the Catholic population from the time of Rome, you know, um, to the 1960s is relatively a small slice. Now, I'm not discarding the, un, the unknown saints, but what I'm saying is what they teach, what the saints and the, um, the doctors of the church, church teach is that we are supposed to be striving for piety and devotion and holiness. We're, su we're supposed to be striving to be as close as we can to the Lord Jesus and his blessed mother as we possibly can. You know, um, you know, just because you're confirmed and baptized doesn't mean your, your journey stops there. Um, it actually starts <laughs> at those points and those, to those people who, um, you know, want to be ahead of the curve, they start even before they're baptized and confirmed. But, um, so there is, there is a definite need well i'll put it this way it's essential it is literally essential to 
um to to uh read spiritual writing to uh try to put that spiritual writing in practice because um God deals with he I've noticed in Catholicism that you know most people have to do um everything what the church teaches but there are there have been occasions where God in his divine providence will make a certain um exception to those general rules don't get it twisted i'm not saying you shouldn't follow the general rules i'm just saying that sometimes in his divine providence he does and the reason i'm saying this is um there may be some people that he lets, well, they'll obviously have to go through purgatory, but he may let some people in because he knows people intimately into heaven without having touched a spiritual book in their life or, or the, the lives of the saints. But what I'm urging against is don't think, don't be presumptuous and think you're one of those people that can do it. You know, um, but I will be getting into presumption pretty soon. Um, you know, and because God deals with us on, on an individual basis, because we are individuals, like it or not, um, if you're trying to be in union with God's will, he will lead you to things in your spiritual life that will help you get closer to him. But you have to have, you have to have confidence in faith. For the sake of honesty, um, I'm very weak in, in faith and confidence. And, it's very easy to doubt, but we should be trying to get faith and confidence that he will not lead us astray, which reminds me of another thing. To those of you who are hung up that you need an actual priest to spiritually guide you, if you're hung up on the sacraments, that unless you have the sacraments, you're damned. That you have to have the the building of the church, and and the incense and the candles and you know whatever that goes with. I want to ask you an honest question: What are you going to do when the great tribulation comes? Because it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. And you can write this off if you want. My personal belief is, is that when the great tribulation comes, they, the, the, the forces of Satan are going to take your churches. They're going to imprison your priests and they are going to take the sacraments from you. 
And not only are they going to do that, but I believe that anything having to do with true Catholicism online, they're going to, because they control the online sphere, they're going to take those things out of there. So you won't even be able to get them online. And I believe firmly that the reason that this is going to happen during the Great Tribulation, and I'm just going to say it's my theory because I'm not going to be presumptuous and say I know God's mind. But I believe um, that this is going to happen because Basically, Lord Jesus and his blessed mother during these times is doing is going to do this because um basically people for the past 300 years if not before have taken it for granted and basically have been using it as a crutch. And what I mean is a crutch is, is that they get, they get too uh, scrupulous. Oh, I, oh, I, I can't, I can't do a uh, confession to God because I need a priest or uh, I can't do a uh, spiritual communion because I got to, I got to do it uh, from the hands of a priest. Um, The reason I think um, God, God wants, God and his blessed mother wants us to trust him implicitly, to have trust, confidence, and faith in him and his blessed mother implicitly, that they will not lead us into error, that they will show us the way. But why the spiritual life is so important is because the only way that you can unite your will to God's will and his blessed mother is through the spiritual life. That's the only way it can happen. So, basically... Basically, we we need to prepare for the great tribulation. There's there's just two no two ways around it. And even if we have a situation like in Mexico in the 30s and England in the 1500s, where we have priests, you know, given hidden masses, not everyone's going to have access to that priest. And on a more practical level, that priest may get arrested and imprisoned and killed. What do you do after that? You know, you don't get to just sit on your thumbs and say, well, you know, no priest, no church, I'm done. That That's, that's not how this works. So, this is... This is why I keep hammering the spiritual life because if if you're if you're just you know um if you think that you're 
having right doctrine, you're confirmed and baptized, and that's where it ends? I mean, even if you're going to Mass every week, that's, that's not enough. I don't know how else to tell you. It's not enough. And if you're more worried about what's going on in politics and in the world, you know, and all that garbage, um, you're hobbling yourself. You're hobbling yourself. So I just, what I want to, um, list here are the faults that keep us from true, um, the faults that keep us from true devotion and true, um, piousness. Before I go into that though, um, there is a reason that the spiritual writers and Father Utley say that you need to do a, a spiritual inventory. Because if you don't know what your particular major sins are, and for that matter, for striving for piety, we should really be looking at our minor faults as well. But we, we, we should be doing a spiritual examination. Now, there are Catholic books. And when I say Catholic, I'm not talking Vatican II. I'm talking pre-Vatican II on the four temperaments. I cannot recommend this book, uh, these books enough. Now, I have one in particular that I use that I'm going to list. But for those of you who may not trust my judgment, there are other books on the Catholic Four Temperaments. And I sincerely want to caution you against secular or books written after Vatican II on the Four Temperaments. Because, um, obviously, you know, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to be written for the standpoint of Catholic, Catholic truth. They're going to be written from their own particular standpoint. So, um, these are um, the faults that keep us um, from, ma- um, from either maintaining the spiritual life or... Um, having us advance in the spiritual life. The first one is complacency. Complacency means, well, I'm baptized. I'm confirmed. I I go to mass, you know, um, I'm good. As I said, you know, I've beaten it to death. No, that's, that's not enough. The second one is self-will. I think it was St. Catherine of Bologna. Uh, I'm sorry, I was going to say Bologna. Um, St. Catherine of Genoa, who wrote that the self-will is so insidious 
in the spiritual life that it'll give us complacency in the sense that we think we think we're advancing in the spiritual life but in actuality it's rooted so deep in us that um we are not doing the will of god and we don't recognize that we're not doing the will of god because our self will is um corrupting our understanding Presumption. Presumption, and for those of you who are spiritual-minded, presumption is tied up in pride. It's, it's tied up in pride, and all the intended um, sins that go with the sin of pride. Now, I, I'm just going to make a, uh, a general, well, not general, a, a pointed observation. The Demon Brothers, I listened to them before I knew that they, they were heretics. And on the surface, if you're not aware of their background, and it's very hard to find that, they, they, they sound like hardcore set of set of a contest. However, if you give them enough, you know, with enough time, you'll hang yourself with enough time. You'll hang yourself. But if you really dig into their stuff, you will notice that they, that they literally, if I were to put, uh, illustration on presumption in the dictionary, I'd use the Demon Brothers picture because they call other set of a contest. Oh, and by the way, I, I do know the Demon Brothers call themselves set of a contest. To me, theologically, they're no different than the recognize and resist crowd of the Vatican II sect. They basically pick and choose what they want to follow. But, um, they call other set of a contests heretics and schismatics. And basically the reason they do this is they do it because, you know, um, they think that everyone should be following their party line. Whereas true set of a contests follow the teachings of the true Catholic Church prior to Vatican II. But they also... They, they're self-righteous and self-righteousness. Well, basically pride is the root and presumptuous and, 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 and self-righteousness is, um, it goes hand in hand because these guys will literally gloat over somebody they consider to be their enemy dying. The most recent example is, is uh, Bishop Dolan. Those guys left in an excredible, excretable, I'm sorry, excretable YouTube video on the event of his death. Now, no, no, no Catholic, true Catholic, worth, you know, the worthy of the name true Catholic would ever do such a thing. 
So we should pray for people like the demons because there, they, I, there was an expression when I was coming up is pride goeth before the fall. And God has a way, you know, when we get too full of ourselves, he will knock us down. So let's pray for those who, who are um, in that. And by the way, one last thing before I move on. Um, Oh, um, never mind. If I can remember it, I'll, I'll say it. Um, self-indulgence, um, mortification and prayer is part of the spiritual life. Um, and Basically, and this is one of our issues as moderns, that we're very self-indulgent. And self-indulgence is the enemy of the spiritual life. Um, obviously, if you have to commit more mortifications, but you're still doing things things by the way in and of themselves that are lawful in the church but part of mortification is is giving up stuff that we love that's perfectly legal in the church that um you know that out of love of god not not just the love of god the love of our neighbors um I believe uh, the, the Lady of Fatima, the Blessed Virgin, the Immaculate Heart, told the children at Fatima that people needed to sacrifice more for the conversion of sinners. So, basically, if, if you're not giving up anything for God or not trying to... Um, mortify your flesh in any way, your flesh and your spirit, then um, you're not going to get very far in the spiritual life. Sentimentality. Sentimentality is looking back at a prior era and saying, oh, if things were just like they were back in that, you know, and with the younger Kids, I noticed they seem to idealize the Middle Ages. You guys need to start reading your your history. The the um the High Middle Ages, which is considered the 13th century, had its share of prostitutes, drunkards, liars, gamblers, cheats. But because the church was whole and undefiled and it had the saints to help it, and 
not to mention the help of the heavenly kingdom too, um, the effects were kept in check. But believe me, um, those times, okay, you know, I, I, I don't know enough about the 13th century to say that whether or not for a certainty it's not as bad as the present era, although honestly speaking, um, if I were to give my opinion, I would say, of course, <laughs> because the Reformation basically drove a spike between the one true church of God and um, the church of God on earth. And once that happened, you know, um, it, it started a chain reaction. So yeah, my opinion is that, but if you're, you know, and I've, I've heard the boomer set of a contest say, Oh, in the fifties, the fifties were so great. Oh, the thirties were so great. The twenties. No, no, there were, there were modernists in the church prior to Vatican two. And the most recent example I can give from my own memory was as you guys, if you listen to all my, uh, the majority of my episodes, I've been really focusing on masonry because one of the first military maxims is know your enemy. But, um, basically there was a pamphlet written in the 1870s that said, um, and by the way, this pamphlet had an imprimatur and it had the censor's stamp. So it was open to all Catholics, but basically it called Protestants separated brethren who anybody, and I'm sure the set of accountants who, you know, know the Vatican too, the, the, the term separated brethren was used in the document on Eucharism. They, uh, and I've read that document. It literally says our separated brethren. But as early as the 1870s, it was being used. So, that's where the biblical term, we must be wise as serpents and gentle as doves come in. In other words, we need to be wise enough to recognize errors. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, we, get, we need to be charitable is what I'm saying. One of, um, one of the faults of presumption is hasty judgment. And basically hasty judgment is, is when we may come to a conclusion without knowing all the facts. So we need to be charitable to everyone, but especially our fellow Catholics. So now the person that wrote this pamphlet was a Monsignor, an Irish Monsignor. So because it was the 1870s, I'm not questioning. Well, I can't without, like I said, going into hasty judgment. But we need to be, we, we need to be wise to when even 
and and charitable, I might add. We need to be wise when they make a mistake and charitable toward them. Those people, uh, prelates and priests that make an honest mistake prior to the Vatican II Council. But um, there, you know, there has been no... Um, there, there has been no perfect time. So basically trying to be as um, brief as possible, you need to lose the sentimentality. Not, not just for errors in history, but in all things. All things. You know. Uh, I'll get to that in another episode. Um, I'm running long as it is. Um, self-delusion and dishonesty. Now, self-delusion is when, basically, I consider self-delusion when you honestly, with, with good intent, defend the indefensible. You know, in particular, I'm thinking about the Protestants with their pastors or with the Vatican II sect, not the Neotrads, who defend Francis and their, their bishops. Now, they're, they're defending the indefensible because, and I can say this having been a former Protestant and Vatican II member, that, you know, when you see the liturgical dancers, which are basically half-naked girls running up and down the church, the the balloon masses, the you know, and with the uh, with a with the Protestants, their their pastors, who basically live the high life, while you know their their uh, followers, you know, um, are making it hand to mouth. If you have to make excuses for that type of behavior. You know, you're defending the indefensible. And this is where I'm going to get to dishonesty. The average uh, run-of-the-mill neo-trad, they are honestly, and, and by the way, I'm just going to get this out here. I have, with people who are truly ignorant, I have nothing but charity for these people. Ah, uh, for the sake of charity, I'm not going to soften my message, but I have charity toward them. But those who are dishonest and know they're being dishonest, I I have nothing but hatred and contempt for you. And for those, um, to get back to my original point, to the, um, to the um, neo-trad Guys, you know, the, the, the average neo-trad who honestly thinks that what they're doing is acceptable, um, I, I have no beef with them. Now, I will tell them they're wrong. I have no beef with them. However, where I have a beef with the neo-traditional apologists and their leadership is 
These people know better. They know better. And if they don't know better, then they shouldn't be saying anything. You know, we, we had a saying when I was coming. Sorry about that. The app I use is um, substantially changed since the last time I used it. And I'm basically, it's changed so much, I'm basically having to relearn how to use it. Anyway, so the set of, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Neotrad apologists, and I'm going to name them, John Venari, Michael Voris, um, Taylor Marshall, um, Ah, uh, what is uh, E. Michael Jones, uh, Michael Matt, um, ah, uh, uh, the 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 tax lawyer from Virginia and the um and the um his co-author. I can't remember their names. And and quite frankly, these these neo trad apologists—they're like Satan. They're legion. Now, obviously, um, I I've never heard Taylor Marshall insult Sedevacantis, but just in the course of my research on the internet, I have run into other neo trads on the internet who basically accuse us of being trailer park popes, um, heretics, schismatics, and um, a sundry of other oaths and insults. And this is how I know they're being disingenuous. I have never... And this was when, even when I was in the Vatican II sect. I have never heard any of these guys denounce Protestantism. There was some muted criticism against Islam, but it was very muted. These guys will not even call Protestants heretics, but they'll call us heretics. And that's how I knew that they're basically dishonest. Because if you truly... If you truly held on to traditional Catholic teachings, then you automatically know there's no other salvation outside the Catholic Church, the true Catholic Church. So, and, and by the way, what I'm saying here is not hasty judgment. And that's another thing, too. Some people will accuse you of hasty judgment when you call them on observable actions and words and deeds, they will call, they will say, Oh, you're, you're indulging in hasty judgment. No, because I'm not judging the content of your heart and I'm not content, uh, judging the content of your soul or your mind. Only Jesus can do that. I'm calling out what you say, what you do. Okay. So, like it or not, that's how it works. And, um, so, 
That's absolutely why I say these guys, uh, the, the, the organizational of uh, the organization, their priests and hierarchies that consider themselves, um, uh, they, they call themselves semi-traditional. I just call them neo-trads because they're fake. Um, if they were actually traditional, they'd be set of a contest, but, um, but I know they're being dishonest and their apologists are being dishonest because as true Catholics, we're supposed to go where the truth leads us. This, we're supposed to go where the truth leads us, no matter where it may lead us. So, um, you know, that's why I say they're being purposely deceitful. And not only are they being purposely deceitful, they're also being um, non-charitable toward us. You know, there, there are plenty of quotes on the internet with uh from the uh what I call the neo traditionalist apologists where um they basically descri- describe us as being no better than um some uh backwoods hillbilly um that doesn't know any better. But I've already denounced the neo traditionalists. What I'm saying is if you're purposely being deceitful and, you know, if your words do not match your actions, which, by the way, I will be doing another episode sometime today about that. But if your words are not, if your words and deeds are not matching what you claim to believe, um, then I'm... You know, I'm going by those actions and I consider that to be dishonesty. So, um, I have nothing but contempt. Contempt and, um, hatred. Not toward the individuals personally, but toward their actions. And the reason why I have contempt and hatred to these people is... For, for whatever reason they're doing it, that they're being deceitful, they're leading millions astray. Millions of str- astray. And going back to divine providence and God's will, those who are led astray, um, God, if God and his blessed mother, if they will it, then they can be brought out of their error. So, but they are leading millions astray. Um, that's, that's all I'm going to say about this. And this ran a lot longer than it should have. Um, I got to make do with what I have. I apologize for the length, guys. Um, I'll 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 try to keep 
the majority of these out of um, out of the uh, under an hour range. But I, I truly and sincerely want to thank you with a grateful and humble heart for your time and for your patience. I really do, because you didn't have to listen, and you didn't have to give me your time. And I hope and pray that um, a seed has been planted, or at the very least, you got something to think about out of this. I'm praying for you all. I want to see as many people get to heaven as possible. Thank you for your time. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.